friends and enemies it is episode 300 fucking episode 300 of this machine kills that that is wild that is so wild to me that we've that we have done 300 episodes i'm jathan joined by ed and producer jeremy as always but i i i I, that's unbelievable i mean 300 is a fucking lot of episodes it really is that that you I like I feel like you could you know Monday through Friday for a whole year listen to a different episode of TMK mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. without repeating you know some of those weeks are gonna be a lot more interesting than the others though I tell you what <laughs> those early episodes well, were some work the first the first the first month or so is gonna be pretty rough okay <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but 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 after that it starts smoothing out and we figure out how to do audio production and we're not recording on zoom anymore <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> well you know what that means now that we have 300 episodes is that uh we have there's a shitload of content for AI to train itself on. Are you guys ready oh for god. that? Oh god! <laughs> oh, we can already Put do down that. The monkey paw. Put I, down the monkey paw. <laughs> I have a friend here, uh, Joel Stern. Shout out to Joel if you're listening. I have a friend, Joel, who who has told me he's a he's an artist. He's a an artist who does a lot of experimental work, kind of bridging um, like machine learning and audio art. And, and he's done some stuff around like creating AI voices of like people we know um, using, using like voice recognition and pat and speech and stuff like that to, to do art installations. And he's told me that he could easily train a synthetic voice um, for based on me just with the sheer amount of like podcast audio that's out there. So uh, <laughs> there, there, there could, you know, there could be a deep fake of, of any one of us from all of this audio, uh, this podcast audio. Easy. Oh, that's great. That's great. <laughs> Don't get any ideas, <laughs> please. <laughs> Well, I, and I also know someone whose work I really like, Chris James, who's a comedian, um, uh, has this, uh, this great show, not even a show um, that he does, where he does like the, these uh, pranks, where he, he does prank calls to like 
the most odious right wing people. Like he gets people. He gets like like he has like Rudy Giuliani, Giuliani's phone number and and uh, like Joe Rogan's phone number and shit like that. And he'll like he'll just call them and have these like recorded conversations. And he's lately been you. He's he's got some AI program that he uses to spoof where he had. He called Jordan Peterson, but used an AI voice of Ben Shapiro to have a fake conversation with Jordan Peterson as Ben Shapiro and completely fooled Jordan Peterson into thinking he was talking to Ben Shapiro. It's so fucking funny and off the rails, like what he's able to do with uh, with some of this stuff. That is the only good use of AI out there right now. Yeah. Yeah, tricking tricking people you hate into saying stupid shit is an objectively good use of AI, and I hope more people take it up. It's some real like fucking CIA shit that he's doing, like using AI voices to spoof famous people into thinking they're speaking to other famous people and having private conversations with them. Um, if he wasn't doing it for YouTube, for a YouTube prank show, <laughs> well, if he's rather, I should say, if he's doing it for a YouTube prank show, you know, damn well, the FBI and CIA are doing it for other <laughs> more nefarious yeah. reasons. Nefarious reasons. You think that, our federal government would do things for nefarious reasons. Hmm. You, you think that they would use, uh, (laughs) an AI voice of some of, 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 you know, right wing or left wing figures to trick people, um, into doing stuff and saying stuff. I, I don't know, man. There's no precedent for that. Yeah. Nope. 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 They'd never do that. Wrong. (laughs) Absolutely wrong. Uh, well, it is episode 300, a huge milestone episode. I mean, such a milestone that, we, that we're that we recording it on my birthday, I will yeah. say. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, they say Paul, ball is life. Mm-mm, pod is life. Pod, pod is, is life. life. <laughs> um, but but <laughs> despite being a big milestone episode, we have not planned a big milestone event for it. <laughs> um, instead, you know that hey, hey, if if every episode is an event, then you know you don't have to do anything special for big milestone episodes. That's 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 the way we that's the way we do it here, right? Mm-hmm. Every episode is a banger. It's it's nothing special, and you just crank out another banger. Um, <laughs> right? We're just we're just another day in the neighborhood. That's a little special. That's right. That's right. That's right. But I do think it, it would it would just feel like a big oversight if we didn't do something actually talking more m- talking about all of the open AI debacle, the soap opera at mm-hmm. open AI that unfolded um you know <laughs> almost since the last time we recorded cuz we did we did take an episode off for Thanksgiving, um, you know, and we had some stuff in the can already scheduled. And so like, while we were like, Ooh, we can, we can kind of lay back in the cut a little bit. We can take a break, enjoy the holidays, not have to be, you know, rushing out some episodes. Of course, shit just like blows up, uh, and then puts itself back together on the course of of the little break that we took, and so 
I do think that is it's beneficial though um, that we can actually talk with a little bit a little bit of hindsight after like the dust has settled over the course of that like you know the 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 very hectic five days that long weekend uh, where it, where where more think pieces were produced by OpenAI than humanly possible. Surely ChatGPT was being used to crank out some of the uh, the quick hit think pieces that were that were tracking every single move in the uh, the OpenAI soap opera over the the quarrel between the board of directors, Microsoft, Sam Altman, and everything that happened. Like. I mean the the level of 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 speculation and and the level of articles being written about um, every little movement was was really wild to see. I think it like it also really demonstrates just how how much of a spectacle and how much importance is put onto open AI, right? Like, you know, I heard people who don't really, you know, I was talking to people who don't follow this world like we do, you know, closely or professionally. And, you know, they were hearing about it and they, and people were telling, were saying to me, it's like, I don't know. I've been hearing all this stuff about some dude named Sam Altman got fired. Apparently this is the most important person in the most important company in the world. Like it's not every day that I read wall to wall coverage about some dude getting fired from his job, you know, like, so people who are not like in this, in the orbit of this world in the way that we are, we're also just like completely, uh, you know, blitzkrieged by the, the, the news coverage of open AI, um, it was really wild to see. I think it really it put it betrayed, you know, what it betrayed the extent to which OpenAI's influence and reach has gone beyond Silicon Valley, gone beyond the the tech the tech and business press, and it was a real like all all hands on deck situation um, for essentially every news outlet. Uh, I I saw graphics being produced quicker than I've ever <laughs> seen them before. <laughs> I know it. It really is something, you know, and it kind of reminds me of like the hype cycle that we've already been suffering through with OpenAI's own product, right? I mean, we ha- you know it's important to remember that you know a good chunk of the importance assigned to OpenAI ha- is a result of a few things. One of the larger industry, you know, kind of helping foster a moral panic to establish themselves as gatekeepers, to excite users and mislead users about their capabilities, to generate interest that j- increases the value of the firms, to attract funding because all of these things are very expensive to develop and scale out, especially the large uh, language models and you know the computational infrastructure that's going to be necessary for developing specific types and implementations of artificial intelligence um and also in developing like that secondary cottage industry right of consultants of open doors between regulators and these firms that will sustain interest connections lobbying power uh you know uh, kind of lackadaisical touch from oversight uh, oversight touch uh, access to the room when they're writing the bills things that they've already fostered but are interested in 
pushing and have been pushing with their marketing strategy, that was already in the, you know, that was already priced in with OpenAI, with a lot of these other similar startups focusing on artificial intelligence. And so what we got here, you know, was in one part, people having been duped about the importance of this firm and, you know, but also it's, you know, actual ascendant importance because it's been able to successfully dupe people wondering what's going to happen now with artificial intelligence. And also, as we will talk about, you know, sort of factionalism, a weird factionalism that's been going on over um, visions for what artificial intelligence is going to look like um, and to what ends it's going to be deployed, as well as some still underreported, you know, dynamics or angles that it seems Sam Altman himself was being pursued, right? All of this converges to make like wall-to-wall news coverage because everyone's convinced that AI is very important and all the people in the industry are trying to convince everyone it's important. And there's a good deal of people in the industry who really do think it's important. And they're all having arguments and debates over like how important, why it's important, who gets to decide it's importance, what the, and, and to what end it's importance is going to result in a... Um, you know, manifest in real life and actual products and actual services and actual designs. Um, you know, so in on one level, there's nothing there in that. It's not that Sam Altman freed. <laughs> it's not that Sam Altman is the most important person <laughs> in the room. <laughs> but in another level, it is because it's something there because this is a proxy for a really big battle that's part of an even larger battle. The big battle being who is going to decide the direction of artificial intelligence, where the funds are going to go, where the infrastructure is going to look like, what the models are going to look like, what the regulatory system is going to look like. As part of a larger system where various factions of the people in this industry are interested in using it in one way or another to, to realize and affect certain politics certain economic orders, certain social orders, certain regulatory schemes, right? And a certain understanding of it in the public, right? Because all of this also does rely on the public having a certain relationship to artificial intelligence as consumers um, and as people who believe in its transformative power but are unwilling, but are too stupid uh, to interfere, too unskilled, uh, to resist it, and thus need to just like, you know, you know, shut up and get in the car as it drives over the cliff and, and accelerates. And also with other governments as being clients who are going to just, who are there really to make sure that uh, market dynamics are fostered and preserved and that the technology develops because the state can only get in the way of techno- technological development in this framing. And of the firms to ensure that, that first movers have advantages in some cases, or other cases, middling and startups and bottom feet of feeding fish trying to figure out how to position themselves in an ecosystem that's dominated by a few major firms. So all of this le- means that we get wall-to-wall coverage. A lot of it's sten- stenographic. A lot of it uh, you know, sycophantic, a lot of it, um, you know, the typical sort of coverage, insider coverage you'd expect. And then a good, and then some of it c- trying to parse out what's actually going on and some of it believing the PR narratives and some of it arguing about it, but all of it swirling out of this clusterfuck, this large debate that ends up being a proxy for larger debates about what direction our technological development should go. And a lot of it just completely captivated by the soap opera dynamics of like, like they're seeing it as like, like they're watching it like secession, 
you know, mm-hmm. like a lot of the 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 coverage of it, the the business journalists and tech press um, that that were writing about it, you know, uh, and, and filtering our understanding or the public's understanding of all this, like they were writing about it like it was an episode of Succession. They were captivated by the boardroom soap opera, um, and and I think that's it. Put it portrayed a really myopic understanding on one hand of like what's actually going on here is something much more than just like a quarrel between some, you know, a vague quarrel between like these, you know, these Titans of industry or whatever. Um, while at the same time, people who did, you know, once the, the, the dust began to settle, um, started writing their like, Oh, let's zoom out on this kind of pieces betrayed themselves as well to be completely duped this whole time into believing the nonsense around like uh open ai's corporate structure it's like non-profit status slash capped profit status slash relationship with microsoft slash it's quote-unquote fiduciary responsibility to humanity like People were fucking duped by all of that. And now and now the like the babes that they are, the Kevin Rooses of the world and so on, you know, writing New York Times op-eds being like, is AI ca- like d- does capitalism control the d- d- AI now? You know, mm-hmm. what are you talking about? You know? <laughs> <laughs> or you've got like, you know, a long read in the FT titled OpenAI and the rift at the heart of Silicon Valley. The tech industry is divided over how best to develop AI and whether it's possible to balance safety with the pursuit of profits. It's like really foolish kind of stuff that they were just that they that they were eating the PR hook, line, and sinker from OpenAI that, no, we're a nonprofit. Yeah, we have this cat profit, but you have to understand we have a, we have a nested corporate governance structure, uh, where, you know, it's, it's the, then the, there, there's a board of directors and they control OpenAI, the public charity, right? That's the nonprofit. And, 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 and then there's a holding company for OpenAI, nonprofit, plus its employees, plus its investors. And that, that is, that holding company is the majority owner of OpenAI Global LLC, which is a capped profit. But you see the hierarchy here is that at the very top is the board of directors for the public charity. And they, they, they set the mission and the goals, you know, and, and people, it's, it's, baffling how many people actually bought into this convoluted corporate structure and now that it's all falling apart and i love that uh, you know well of course one of the great the best commentators like if you're going to read the 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 day-to-day coverage of this the only place to do it is uh matt levine's money stuff at bloomberg Right, he had a piece a few days ago that had a di- had this diagram of the 
um, the convoluted corporate structure, the nested hierarchy. And then, you know, in addition to that hierarchy, I just, I just laid out off to the side is Microsoft, who's a minority owner of OpenAI Global LLC, the capped profit company, um, that is majority owned by the, the, the holding company that is directed by the the public charity, right? And then, you know, so Matt Levine has this this diagram and he's like, so this is how the diagram uh, legally works for OpenAI. This is its legal corporate structure. And then he has another diagram and over the top of uh, the... The, the minority ownership line for Microsoft. He's just put a big green block letters, money, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and this is how the diagram actually works. <laughs> That's exactly right. Like, right. like Microsoft, by having this minority ownership position of open AI, was insulating itself legally and regulatorily, uh, like legally and regulatorily from any criticism that it had undue control or monopoly ownership um, of open AI and, and, and thus domination in the market and anti-competitive, blah, blah, blah. Like having a minority owner position stake without having a board seat as well. Microsoft didn't have a board seat. Like all of that was a really, really ingenious way for Microsoft to insulate itself, legally speaking, from open AI. But when the shit hit the fan and the rubber hit the road, Microsoft showed that it actually has the real power here, right? That that it was able to exert a lot of influence uh, and, you know, completely rearrange the board of directors, reinstate Sam Altman as CEO uh, and, and maintain its, you know, it, it's, its close relationship, not just with OpenAI, but with Sam Altman, right? Sam Altman is the real, is the horse that Microsoft is really backing here. That became clear as well. It's not just OpenAI because they have, they have an op, they have a light, a, 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 an exclusive license, a privileged license to OpenAI's technology. Um, you know, they, they don't need OpenAI. Uh, the company, um, you know, they have a, they already have a contractual license to the technology. Like they're backing Sam Altman. That's their play here. That's their man. Um, and, and so then that became really clear. It really became clear how much power that they have. And the way this became clear so quickly and blatantly was enough to jar a lot of people out of their 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 sleepwalking um, and being like, "Damn, were the cat were the capitalists controlling this the whole time?" <laughs> <laughs> Idiot. Yeah, it is funny. I think you know that story from Matt Levine does highlight that sort of like internal rationalization or delusion, right? That these people might have had. That yeah, you know, like. There's so many temptations to give into to just pursue money. And there's so many ways in which money can corrode governance structures. And so if we create a for-profit subsidiary on the side that's through which are uh, beneficent, which are, are kind and benevolent beneficiary, 
investor can park billions of dollars, 13 billion in Microsoft's case, and get a limited return, then we'll be fine because our nonprofit is not a profit and it's concerned with humanity, not investors. But the reality of it, as we've talked about here, as we'll talk about, as we talked about in every single fucking episode of this podcast, is that is not how things work, especially in technology, right? Because you can you can say all the shit you want about your thing being the primary beneficiary of X group or Y group. But if said group does not have any meaningful way to intervene and intercede and control the affairs of the group, then what the fuck are we talking about? You can rule in people's names. You can manufacture their consent. You can do all the bullshit that you want, but it's not actually there if they don't give it. And it's especially not there in a financial entity where the you might have insulated yourself from market dynamics, but you have a massive pile of money and an understanding from this investor that they get first look at everything and perpetual license to everything. And for a moment, to almost all the employees. And so there is a great deal of delusion, I think, that went on because the assumption was as long as everyone plays their part and doesn't rock the boat, then nobody can fuck up this, right? We all get a gravy train. We all get access to tens of billions of dollars. We all get to develop a product. And yeah, we'll get some support. What are you doing? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and he's recording is- with a dog right now. This <laughs> 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 our, our, our secret fourth mic. <laughs> <laughs> She's just like gnawing at a spot on the bed right next to my feet. I don't I don't get dogs. I get dogs less than I get cats, even though I love them both. But <laughs> to return to this, right? And the and the idea here being, you know, oh, so you know, we've created this really smart, savvy infrastructure that will give our nonprofit total and absolute and final control over all decisions as we march along peacefully, intelligently, rationally, cautiously, uh, towards building God you know, towards building our AGI. Um, And that even if we don't get to the AGI, each step of the way is going to make us so much money, more money than we would have gotten if we were just a typical not-for-profit or nonprofit that um, received donations and charitable charitable donations from large and wealthy and deep-pocketed individuals who are not investors, but would be interested in being investors. The point that Levine kind of Levine kind of weaves it into a story where he's like, okay, so they're sitting here with this pile of cash, you know, and they're like, oh well, you know, we did have that nice story we told ourselves, but we're but there's a little too much cash in the room, and there are a little too many grubby capitalists in the room, and we actually don't care that much about humanity. It seems, you know, maybe we get rid of all these people, right? But as we've talked about in every single episode, as I said, right, it is hard to say that you were insulating yourself from capitalism when you were participating in the primary mode of technological development under capitalism, or one of the primary ones, venture capital, you get state backing, military backing, uh, wealthy individuals who are not quite venture capitalists, but maybe um, benevolent oligarchs, right, in one way or another, 
still participating in that typical form of technological development, still also promising limited, limited capped returns, but still also engaging in licensing agreements where uh, the intellectual property, where the developed goods and services are going to be owned and commercialized and rolled out and spread in a way which is going to drive development towards increasingly more commercial and profitable enterprises as a way ostensibly of further insulating yourself from the whims of profit and potential investors, but subjecting yourself even more to that logic. Because more and more people are then going to associate the wider product and the wider development of that product with profit and market dynamics, as they already do, because these things are already enmeshed in that and have been for decades, right? So it's not, it's delusional because, you know, at no point has there ever been an alternative that has been developed or viable system has been uh, developed, at least by these people, by these people in Silicon Valley, where you can look around and conceivably say, yeah, profit's not a factor here. Access to venture capital is not a concern here. The entire governance structure was created because of those concerns and is responsive to those concerns and pulled in people who were responsive to those concerns in networks that were responsive to those concerns to operate within structures and markets and in relationships receptive and responsive to those concerns. So it was just, you know, just a massive, I think, delusion in one way or another, right? But on the other hand, if the board of directors for OpenAI are going to be, you know, the group of like four people who have like Atlas, the weight of the world on their shoulders, who have the the divine mission to safeguard humanity, I, I'm going to go to sleep a lot more peacefully tonight, knowing that among those four those those four people sits Larry Summers. I'm, I, I, it's just, hey, the, if when I think Atlas, when I think fiduciary responsibility to humanity, I think my man Larry Summers. <laughs> Big mm-hmm. ups to him on the board seat for OpenAI. I mean, that was also, that was maybe mm-hmm. one of the most like surprising bits of news out of all <laughs> this. I was like, you know, yeah, they like you know they they had to come in and shake up that board seat. You know, the board. Uh, also, this is the thing as well, like. Despite everything we've been saying about like the 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 veil falling, the the charade being revealed, you know, the the obviously the corporate structure of OpenAI is still remaining exactly the same, right? This like convoluted, nested, uh, non board of directors for nonprofit who own a holding company that owns you know, open AI, the LLC capped profit. Right. And like, you know, despite the fact that like the charade is, is the gig is up, like, like that's still going to stay in place and they need to keep performing it. They need to keep play acting that no, no, this is actually like, this is good that, that, you know, actually it's, it's, it's working. This is, Hey, the, 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 the debacle that we just saw, that was actually evidence that things are working the way they're they're supposed to be. You know, it didn't fall apart. It's actually chugging along um, bigger and badder than ever before. I expected. So you know, they they shook up the board. 
you know, Adam D'Angelo, <laughs> the co-founder of Quora, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I also, <laughs> I think the, the level of attention put on the OpenAI board of directors on top of like the governance structure from the, ha- has been one of the more interesting aspects of this, where it's like people who aren't doing the inside baseball in the way that we do um, are now like being like, who, who are the board of directors of this company (laughs) actually paying attention to governance at the company that everybody has just universally agreed is, you know, rightly or wrongly the most important company in the world. All of a sudden they're like, maybe, Oh, maybe we should actually pay attention to who's, who's, who's directing it. And but like you know they 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 kept Adam D'Angelo they they I think floating Emmett Shear the founder of Twitch was also very funny for the CEO position to replace Sam Altman but they kept the founder of Quora um, and they eliminated uh, two people Helen Toner who's um she's an academic who who does who does you know tech policy um, like emer- like te- te- emerging technology policy as well as they eliminated from the board Tasha McCauley and that's obviously a lot of uh, who, you know Tasha McCauley's um <laughs> a robotics engineer the CEO of this like of a company called GeoSims which does i, I they do like 3D modeling of cities um but also the, the wife of Joseph Gordon-Levitt which adds oh. another <laughs> real succession <laughs> level of detail to this and uh, um so so this there's a direct jgl connection to all of this as well which is bizarre um and obviously you know and you know and Ilya sutsker right like the you know, adam and Ilya have kept their board seats. Helen and Tasha are out. Brett Taylor, who was a, I think he was co-CEO of Salesforce, as well as chairman of Twitter. When Elon bought Twitter, uh, Brett Taylor was the chairman of it. Um, so B- Brett Taylor is 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 put in place and Larry Summers, right? Who the man who needs no introduction um, is, is put on the board. I I think a lot of attention has been rightfully put towards the fact that they just, they kept the two men and eliminated the two women from the, Mm -hmm. the board of open AI. They're like, all right, let's actually make this an old fashioned boys club. Like some real stalwart, you know, a, a Silicon Valley executive who's been an executive in Silicon Valley at top levels for a very long time. And then Larry, summers right like the like the the father of uh, neoliberalism right you know obama's <laughs> treasury secretary the president of harvard um one of the people who crowed the loudest about uh, silicon valley bank needing a multi-billion dollar bailout from the government otherwise the quote-unquote innovation system of the global economy was at peril it, it, it's a real like knock out the knock out the girls and insert the old boys um into the into the club although i do want to say as well what really i think is actually happening here is that from my understanding Tasha McCauley and Helen Toner were also really deep, like they are deep stalwart EA people. Mm-hmm. Like they are effective altruists. Um, and so what I think has actually happened here in large part is, and I think this was the, com- the, 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 
the cultural fight that led to the ousting of Sam Altman. We don't actually know why he got ousted as well. Like the details are still really vague. You know, that been a whole last week and we don't know. <laughs> we don't know beyond like vague statements around like, you know, them saying like the board saying in their initial post that Sam Altman was not cons- quote unquote consistently candid with the board, which prevented them from executing their duties responsibly. Reuters reported as well that there was some worry um, that like people, like people on the board, you know, Sam Altman was talking about how like he, he had uh, just come out of one of those, you know, there's, he, he was, talking in divine language the way that he does but right where he's like you know i just i just had a meeting you know one of the one of those few meetings that happens in the world where you know that you are seeing the world change where you are witnessing an an epochal difference at the you know in front of your eyes you know and and from what i understand what it was is that they like and you know some experimental version of chat gpt was able to solve math problems that it like a fifth grader yeah yeah like (laughs) (laughs) like able to solve math problems it had never seen before right and Mm -hmm. so like oh you know sam altman is like i i have seen the face of god we've created it and the board of directors were like uh this is you know this is the genie that's going, this is Rocco's Basculus, right? This is the genie that's going to destroy the world. Um, and, and so Reuters was reporting that that was maybe a big reason for the ousting, which betrays, I think, ultimately this big like cultural uh, war that was kind of waging internally at OpenAI between the effective altruist, uh, you know, true believers um, and the uh, Sam Altman, who was like being like, I used to be president of Y Combinator. I'm all about commercialization, scaling, hyper growth, right? Like, yeah, and, and, and he's been really pursuing a lot of that very fervently through a open AI, as well as a lot of side projects directly related to open AI, such as, you know, him going out and soliciting billions of dollars from Saudi Arabia and SoftBank so he can create a in, a competitor to Nvidia. You know, he wants to do like total integration of the AI supply chain, not just have the so- you know own the software but own the hardware as well, which was also the stillborn dream of friend of the show Masayoshi son you know this idea that hey if i control the entire supply chain you'll never fucking root me out you'll never burn me out yeah and so and he's and obviously that's something saudi arabia knows and 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 speaks mm-hmm. the language of that very well too so you know sam altman was probably finding some like-minded souls over at the uh uh saudi arabian public investment fund and and softbank you know and so i think from what we can understand, like a lot of the reason it seems that Sam, that all of this happened in the first place were some of the, were these cultural wars. And I think it is actually very interesting that the people ousted from the board, uh, were the, the effective altruist, um, the, the true believers and the, and put in their place was a classic Silicon Valley executive, someone who knows 
the culture of hyperscaling and ma- and profit maximization extremely well and Larry Summers, right? Like the neoliberal godfather of, of today. Um, and so, you know, who who's never seen an extractive industry that he didn't take a check from, you know? Um, <laughs> like, th- like this is the... I think that's the cultural war here. I think I think that is itself a bigger and more interesting thing here than the like the boardroom soap opera of like you know all, all of the 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 secession style plays that were happening and who's you know there's something bigger here that betrays though it betrays not something new which i think is the mistake that is constantly made in the discussions and writing about this is that this is somehow new and you can see it in the in the language choice right like you know the new york times op-ed being like do the capitalists now control ai you know is this are we revealing a uh, a new rift at the heart of Silicon Valley? Like these people want to believe that only that things only happen when it happens in really obvious and explicit ways, right? Rather than understanding that none of this is new whatsoever, there is maybe a slight. Uh, hiccup in terms of a weird cultural war at open AI um, with the effective altruist versus the hyper capitalist and and them seeing that like maybe our maybe there are some points where our, our end goals are actually in competition with each other rather than what the effective altruists like William McCaskill like Sam Bankman Free like all of these people have for a long time been like actually these two things are directly compatible and mutually reinforcing hypercapitalism with the safeguards of effective altruism will uh, lead to utopia, QED, right? And they're like, ooh, maybe, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Um, but I think it is, I think the problem here, though, as well, is that it's still casting the debate over AI and its development and its outcomes as a binary where the only two sides you can choose are hyper-capitalism or effective altruism, as if there are no other alternatives between those two sides. Um, like That's what this, uh, this long read in the FT completely frames the you know the trade-off over safety versus profits is purely framed in terms of you are either effective and an effective altruist or you're a hyper capitalist like that's i think that's exactly how like the new york times is framing it like so we're still revealing, I think, a massive oversight here and a really fundamental problem where even when these people kind of wake up for a minute and they're like, whoa, damn, capitalism controls the AI. They can only frame any kind of uh, opposition to that in terms of the worst possible alternative, effective altruism. Yeah, you know, and I think it's also really interesting to think through both, you know, as you said, the dynamics of effective altruism and hypercapitalism coming through in the board, the board struggle also representing like a and being a metaphor and a proxy for a few other debates and pro, you know like as the as the FT long read kind of points out right 
and you know, as the other works such as uh, Brian Merchant's column on uh, how quickly the concern over AI safety disappeared, um, as well as Matt Levine's uh, you know column, two columns on this, um, kind of highlight right. So the board almost certainly fired him for real concerns that don't suddenly go away just because it proved to be one that they didn't they weren't willing to face the existential threat uh, from the money being pulled out um and that you know the you know the board deciding to firing him, fire him comes out of concerns of rapid commercialization which we've seen at length right we've been seeing as you know as Brian Merchant talks about we've been seeing him raise uh, the money from uh, middle east sovereign wealth funds trying to start that chip company that we talked about trying to raise more money to from SoftBank and John Ive who used to design Apple who was designs uh designed most of the major Apple products under Steve Jobs at um, at the company, uh, tried to design AI-focused hardware, tried to create an open app store, an open AI app store for third-party developers so they could build their own custom AIs and sell them. At the same time, is, you know, pushing out quickly ChatGPT. I'll, I'll quote, um, a quote uh, merchant here where he says, it's not hard to see why OpenAI has been in talks to sell shares to investors at an $86 billion valuation. Microsoft, which has invested uh, over $11 billion in OpenAI and now uses OpenAI's tech on its platforms, was apparently informed of the board's decision to fire Altman five minutes before the wider world. His leadership was furious and seemingly led the effort to have Altman reinstated. But beyond all that lurked the question of whether there should really be any safeguards to the AI development model favored by Silicon Valley's prime movers. Whether a board should be able to remove a founder they believe is not acting in the interest of humanity, which again is their stated mission, or whether it should seek relentless expansion and scale. Um, and then going a little bit further, he says, <coughs> in fact, however this plays out, it has already succeeded in underlining how aggressively Altman has been pursuing business interests. For most tech titans, this would be a well-done situation, but Altman has fastidiously cultivated an aura of a burdened guru warning the world of great disruptive changes. Recall those sheepdog eyes in the congressional hearings a few months back where he begged for the industry to be regulated lest it become too powerful? Altman's whole shtick is that he's a wary messenger seeking to prepare the ground for responsible uses of AI that benefit humanity. Yet he's circling the globe, lining up investors wherever he can doing all he seemingly can to capitalize on this moment of intense AI interest. He's uh, To those watching this closely, this has been something of an act. Weeks after those hearings, after all, Altman fought real-world regulations that the European Union was seeking to impose on AI deployment, and we forget that OpenAI was originally founded as a nonprofit that claimed to be bent on operating with the utmost transparency before Altman steered it to a capped for-profit company that keeps its model secret. And as the long read also kind of adds in here, right, you know, two of the four board members who, who voted against, uh, you know, Altman and, and tried to fire him, Helen Toner, Director of uh, Strategy at the, at the Center for Security and Emerging Technology, um, and Tasha, you know, as you pointed out, they're not only just um, effective altruists, but had raised concerns about what the larger effects of open AI's commercialization had been on the larger ecosystem, right? Toner had 
been an author on a paper which F.T. writes hinted at the sort of tensions this would cause. The paper implicitly criticized Altman for releasing ChatGPT without any detailed safety testing first, leading to the kind of race to the bottom dynamics that OpenAI itself had decried. That frenzy around the chatbot had led to other companies, including Google, to quote, accelerate or circumvent internal safety and ethics review processes. And so these concerns are emerging and building and building and and bring us, I think, to a really poignant segment that um, Levine quotes from um, Ted Chang, uh, uh, the um, sci-fi writer, right? You know, and a Luddite friend, comrade, who um, talked about how we should be thinking about the artificial intelligence doomsday scenarios differently because they're really, in one way or another, metaphors for capitalism. Uh, He writes, Elon Musk gave the example of an artificial intelligence that's given the task of picking strawberries. Seems harmless enough, but as the AI redesigns itself to be more effective, it might decide that the best way to maximize its output would be to destroy civilization and convert the entire surface of the earth into strawberry fields. Thus, in its pursuit of a seemingly innocuous goal, an AI could be brought could bring about the extinction of humanity purely as an unintended side effect. This scenario sounds absurd to most people. Yet there are a surprising number of technologists who think it illustrates a real danger. Why? Perhaps it's because they're already accustomed to entities that operate this way. Silicon Valley tech companies. Consider, who pursues their goals with monomaniacal focus, oblivious to the possibility of negative? Who pursues their goals with monomaniacal focus, oblivious to the possibility of negative consequences? Who adopts the scorched earth approach to increasing market share? This hypothetical strawberry picking AI does what every tech startup wishes it could do, grows at an exponential rate, and destroys its competitors until it's achieved an absolute monopoly. The idea of superintelligence is such a poorly defined notion that one could envision it taking almost any form with any equal with equal justification a benevolent genie that solves all the world's problems or a mathematician that spends all its time proving theorems so abstract that humans can't even understand them but when silicon valley tries to imagine superintelligence what it comes up with is no holds barred capitalism and like you were talking about with and feeling like our choices between hyper reactive or hyper capitalism and effective altruism you know, the boardroom coup in one way or another is less about fears of the AI apocalypse, but also, but more so about fears of what infecting or allowing OpenAI to commit itself more fully to the nature and form and structure of every other tech startup. But also at the same time, a naive evidence of a naive delusion that it wasn't already leaning in that direction, you know, that it already hadn't had, despite its corporate governance structure, made a deal with the devil in the form of Microsoft and had a chief executive who clearly was interested in expanding and commercial commercializing and setting the stage for an incredibly lucrative and profitable um, turn towards for profit. And, you know, we see here that really the real concerns, there are, of course, concerns with artificial intelligence and this, and, and the harms that it is already causing and can continue to cause. But there's also the fact that by having, you know, probably the face of, you know, uh, the industry, the core of this, of this uh, company, 
um, you know, the direction that it goes in, the financing, all overhauled to bring back an, a guy who was already integral to shifting it away from nonprofit or not for profit and, and already integral from shifting it from transparency and already sh- uh, integral to pushing out products that have accelerated uh, an aversion to internal ethics concerns, right? means that we are seeing it kind of snap back into the real form that was always there. It was always moving towards by virtue of who were the investors, even if they didn't have real control over the company because of the networks that they created and established and were enmeshed in uh, based on the uh, chief executive and the founder and the networks he was in and enmeshed in based on the clients that they had and the shareholders that they had, right? And the products that they were pushing out and the end uses that they were envisioning and the regulations that they were fighting, right? And the types of models that they were trying to build. All of this already was plugged in in one way or another to the capitalism, specifically the Silicon Valley capitalism that is more closer, more of the, a more realized form of the super intelligence everyone is scared of. But in reality, it's just these tech firms, right? And the board was the last obstacle in one way or another, right? And you know, maybe they realized it too late that they were the last obstacle and tried to clean house, or maybe they really genuinely fucked up. And but either way, the fact that they fucked up and snapped back into form should show that they were not the safeguard. They were not the they were not the the bulwark that they thought they were, right? Because if you were the bulwark that you thought you were, if you really are going to, you know, try to preserve the company, preserve its core mission towards humanity. Well, you know, you fucked up in that most Microsoft was almost able to get everyone for $0, 747 out of the 750 employees signed this letter, I think. I think 770. So there are 23 holdouts. (laughs) Yeah. 20. Yeah. God bless y'all. Um, (laughs) I guess I don't even know. (laughs) Um, but 20, uh, you know, almost every single person at the company signing a letter saying they would go on to Microsoft and work for them. And as Matt Levine points out, you know, Hey, if you're the board and you're looking at this, you say, well, we could stick to our guns and our principles or whatever is diluting us and whatever is moving us. Right. But what's the point if Microsoft is just going to have everything it wants in the house. It will say it will still work with us. It says it will still give us money, but it got everything that it wanted in ter- in house now. What's the point, right? So you know, it was a it was a botched attempt to do whatever it is that they thought they were doing for whatever reason that they have still have yet told us, right? But you can see in it real concerns that emerge that we can talk about without going into the. Uh, moral panic that I think uh, I keep wanting to say Bankman Freed, that Altman and company want us to go towards, right? Which is that AI is going to kill every single one of us and we're making God in a box and we need to be allowed to make it the way that we want so it can be safe. And instead, just ask, look, artificial intelligence is integrated into a large degree of our lives. Artificial intelligence, meaning algorithmic systems or digital systems, it doesn't mean God in a box, right? There are a plethora of these algorithmic oversight and governance uh, systems that are integrated into your daily life every single day, right? And are being expanded constantly, managing healthcare, insurance, governance, allocation of welfare benefits, as we've talked about, right? Allo- you know, the calibration of risk and ma- management. You know, all of these things come down and govern a huge degree of our lives, um, whether we know it or not. 
And so real concerns emerge when one of the forces guiding it and informing how the industry responds and envisions and imagines its development that has a huge slosh of money that it uses to literally restructure the physical market itself and to incentivize new types of developments, to incentivize new types of infrastructure and disincentivize others to drive the direction of research, to drive the discourse, to drive the public's expectations about certain products and goods. It's a real concern. You can understand why the board might be concerned that they're giving in to profit dynamics given what every single other startup does when it's concerned with profit dynamic. But also you can see the delusion in thinking that it would go any other way. And maybe hindsight is twenty twenty, but you can see the delusion in that it would go any other way when every single other part of the system was already embedded in these capitalist profit dynamics and just waiting for the chance to spill over into the main body. body, body, body. No way to put it better than that, uh, for sure. I will only add to that as well that like, and we've, you know, we have emphasized this and talked about it in this uh, episode and others. Um, but like Sam Altman was, is not some hapless victim here, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. My man is an operator <laughs> and, and like mm. he, you know, he is and has always been an extremely well known uh, and successful operator in these regards. Like this is what he does. This is, this is how he does it. His business is business, <laughs> you know? Um, and that's his ambitions. That's his ideals here is, is doing creating empires expanding them you know uh that that is how he works here um like like i want to quote from the ft article um as well a, a quick little piece where he says one ai investor who knows altman well says that the open ai chief takes the potential risk of the technology seriously but he is also determined to deliver on his company's mission to develop artificial general intelligence. Quote, Sam wants to be one of the great people in history and reshape the world in a consequential way, the investor says. Now, sure, not a, not a unique ambition. A lot of people want to be a great man of history and reshape the world. But it has, as his career you know, 20 years, really, you know, 15 years or so that he's been deep in Silicon Valley, you know, over that time has shown, like, he has proven to, to be driven by that ambition and really adept at making it the case, right? Like, you know, he didn't get handpicked by Paul Graham to head up Y Combinator when he was like a, tw you know, a 20 something year old, um, just cause he was like, oh, I like the cut of your jib, you know, like, <laughs> no, he was like identified as being, uh, like a, uh, a cutthroat operator who could, uh, push and did push Y Combinator, uh, to be something even more than it was, right? To be something 
you know, bigger and badder than it was, right? Like Sam Altman went a long way towards, he's not a just a product of the Silicon Valley startup culture of like hyper growth, you know, profit by any means, total domination of your, of a marketplace. Like he's not just a product of that culture. He helped create uh, and instill and 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 expand that culture through his uh, extremely influential position at Y Combinator uh, and the 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 networks that he created there with other uh, organizations with the you know Department of Defense with other industries right like him going over you know and he's him going over to open AI. Part of that was that like he was doing both Y Combinator and open AI at the same time. And he was being criticized for like, uh, spending too much time on his side project, open, i.e. open AI, um, while at Y Combinator. So he jumped ship and devoted all of his attention to it, right? And now he's doing the same thing, right? Being criticized for spending too much time on his side projects while at open AI, you know, this chip company or, you know, the, the Johnny Ives, uh, collaboration or whatever it might be, right? Like he has a, he has a he has an empire state of mind, you know, in like a really mm-hmm. uh, true way. Like, like he sees himself, and this is what I said in that you know the the New York Magazine profile of him um, that was written, and and that uh, I, I you know had some comments in me from uh, about it. Like, this is what I was saying in there is that like he really sees himself as this like Ubermensch, right? And he really has this imperialist kind of perspective of, of what he can and should be doing in the world. Um, it's not just about building his own little city state. It's about going out and conquering other lands, you know? And, and that, I, so I, I think like that's a really, while we should not be, you know, overly focused on great men of history here, whether to praise them or criticize them. Um, I, you know, because at the end of the day, this is, this is the capitalist system, right? Like this is the, this is the dynamic, um, of capital. These, this is the relationship between, um, technology and capitalism. I mean, I, it's, it's very fitting that I am like, literally in the you know the final edits of my book before it goes off to production uh for my next book um and a big argument of my book is laying out this dynamic that technology that we cannot understand technology or capitalism without understanding these two things as uh intimately um linked to each other in 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 today's uh political economy and you know that they that they have merged um that there is you know that innovation um when we talk about innovation what we are really talking about is capitalist innovation right innovation that's created um for and within a system of capitalism um like it's very fitting that I'm making a, a, an argument about how we about how these things are intimately and inextricably linked to each other in the in today's uh, society. While at the same time, all of this is unfolding and causing other people to be like, "Damn, is this new? Is this is you know like yeah. like 
so at the like while we have to understand the system um i think it is also like and we can't overemphasize you know have a great man uh view of of that system whether again as a as a praise or as a criticism i do think it is uh not a coincidence that someone like sam altman um with the kind of ambitions and mindset um that he has uh, and the kind of pedigree and career that he has shown um, is at the center of, of all of this as well. Because OpenAI is not the best technology company. ChatGPT is not the best large language model, right? Like none of these things are the best in any kind of like technical sense um, or, 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 or objective sense. Um, rather, what makes them market leaders is all of the capitalism <laughs> that they are doing, right? All of the ability um, that OpenAI through Sam Altman um, has to be ambassadors to the world through the first mover advantage by cranking out this, this product really, really fast and really early and thus setting the benchmark and setting the public's expectations and controlling the public's perception of the technology, right? Like uh, all of the things that makes OpenAI really important, all of the things that makes OpenAI so dominant, um, all the reasons why it was wall-to-wall -wall coverage of OpenAI is not because of the technology. It is because of all of the capitalism <laughs> that is going on around and through that technology. Um, and that's not new, right? Uh, but I, and I think that's, that's the bigger story here. And I think as well that like how this progresses, how this moves forward is only to, if, 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 if it is even like putting, you know, uh, cranking up the capitalism levels to new degree, which I question if it's doing that, I think it's going to be a lot of what was already happening, but with a lot less subtext and a lot less of a charade, uh, kind of built up around it, right? Like, I think it's going to look more like, uh, open AI. Uh, brought to you by Microsoft, right? Which is to say, doing the same exact things that they were doing, but now doing it in a more like explicit way um, than they were doing before, because like you know the limiters have been taken off of of, of Sam Altman uh, th through you know whatever limiters he might have felt were on him to begin with. Um, those are now surely uh, uh you know shorn away well you know i for one am happy for our ai overlords and when i say our ai overlords i mean the firms that are going to be controlling the direction of the hell tech that will be used to structure more of our lives that's great but hey maybe we can use the uh the open ai marketplace to make god in a box and use it to infect um the ecosystem with uh, malware to destroy it that would be fun Send them a little worm to melt all their CPUs and server farms. <laughs> that would be fun. That would be good. Uh, you know, <laughs> free idea, free idea for anybody out there. <laughs> Parody. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, any anything else we want to wrap up on with with this open? I'm I'm happy to do a, a nice right on time episode but is, but anything else you want to 
uh, wrap up on on the whole open AI debacle? No, I think that's uh, I think that's uh, I think that's it for us. Yeah, I mean the the real the real tragedy here is uh, open AI, you know, pulling all this shit and making us talk about it for our three hundredth episode. <laughs> yeah, because we had a fun essay that someone dropped in the Discord and Jeremy shared with us that we'll talk about at some point. Amazing, inspired me to get back on my Substack. So you you're gonna you're gonna have I have a three part essay that I'm working on now inspired by this essay. Oh boy. I well I'll, I'll <laughs> shout out the essay because it is fucking long. So you might need a little yeah. lead time to read it, but it is worthwhile. Shout out to Oscar in the Discord who shared um this essay by Emily Gorsinski uh called Making God, which is on uh on on their website, um emilygorsinski.com. But it's a really fucking good essay um looking at like doing a really great analysis of the the evangelical eschatological cult of technology um, that is that, that, I mean, the reason why these kinds of like uh, analyses of technology through the lens of like um, Christian, uh, Christian cults is so interesting uh, Mm -hmm. is because I think it is like more and more correct like more and yes. more proven to be correct um, yes. as a frame for as a frame for analyzing um the the culture and development of the of technology and the tech sector um is by doing it through looking at like uh your know, christian cults all the way from like you know, the book of revelations onward is, is basically, you know, it's, 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 it's right. That is, that is the right way to understand a lot of what's happening. And this is a really good essay that, um, kind of walks through, walks through a really good history of AI over the last like 70 years of, of development doing so showing this kind of this, this, uh, this culture of evangelicalism um, that has uh, that threads that has thread throughout it from the very beginning. Uh, so you know, I'll, I'll throw a link to that essay in the episode description for people. But yeah, I think we 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 definitely need to do um, a longer discussion of it. And and I'm I'm glad it's it's uh it's it's catalyzed you to get back on your Substack. Oh yeah, it's gonna be fun. I'm gonna, for each of the titles of the three-part thing, I'm going to use titles I was going to use for my sci-fi books. So it's going to be great. And I'll play with themes that I was going to explore in the books anyway. So it'll be fun. It'll be fun intertextual uh, thing that will click in 10 years when all the books are out, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you are building this like whole massive interconnected universe of stuff and and like but but none of it is is out yet right so yeah you're like like, you're like god building up you you do it you're playing god you're like building a whole universe before releasing it yeah 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 Yeah, i am the the day the publication date will be called the big bang (laughs) that's right hell yeah (laughs) uh well 
on that bombshell <laughs> i think that's a, that's a great place to wrap it up um thank you everybody for listening uh you can find us at patreon.com slash this machine kills for additional premium episodes every single week yeah i mean we we now literally have a backlog of 300 episodes um, many of which are on patreon only so find us over there and until next time later adios